Hello, everyone. I am Melinda Brianna Epler, founder and CEO of Change Catalyst and author of How to Be an Ally. I'm your host of Leading with Empathy and Allyship. Welcome. Allyship is about learning, showing empathy, and taking action. That process often includes learning, unlearning, and relearning, then building empathy for people with different experiences, and above all, taking consistent action. So each week we'll learn from somebody new. Please be open to new ways of thinking and understanding. You can learn more about my work and sign up to join us for a live recording at ally.cc. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, our guest is Gabriela de Queiraz, Principal Cloud Advocate Manager at Microsoft, where she leads the global education advocacy team focused on AI, machine learning, and data science. She's also the founder of Our Ladies, a worldwide organization promoting diversity in the R community, and AI Inclusive, a global organization that is helping increase the representation and participation of minorities in artificial intelligence. Today, we'll be talking about the importance of community in creating access and opportunity. We'll discuss what it means to be an advocate, how we build communities, and what it takes to really lead the change and reduce the global gap in access and opportunity. So welcome, Gabriela. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm so happy to be here and to be talking about something that is very close to my heart that I love to talk about. Awesome. Awesome. Me too. I'm really excited about, about our conversation today. And all right, Gabriela, let's let's talk about you and your story first to begin. Um can you start with where you grew up and make your way to how you ended up doing the work that you do now? Awesome. Yeah. So I'm from Brazil. So I was born and raised in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro. And we speak Portuguese. We don't speak Spanish. We speak Portuguese is our main language. And I was the younger of four siblings. So all my siblings are much older than I. And I grew up like any kids, like playing and, and doing sports. I was very active. I really liked to be outside and playing with others. I would watch some TV here and there. Not a, not a very good student, to be honest, growing up. But there was a very big part of me that was like always be surrounded by people, like either family or friends or people that I played with. And Growing up, it was interesting, uh, like the variety of things that I got exposed. And after going to school, high school, I went to do my bachelor degree. I had a lot of like ups and downs and, and trying different things uh, until to the point where I finished my studies in statistics. Uh, and then I was working with statistics and then I moved to work with epidemiology then I did a master's in epidemiology where my focus was on air pollution. So how air pollution affects people's health. So I was dealing with public, public health data, but then applying all my statistics knowledge on, and make models and, and create outcomes and, and, and like inform the population around the issues, about the issues around air pollution. And then after I finished my master's is when I, came to the U.S. So in 2012, I came to the U.S. to do another master's, now back to statistics. And my main goal was very interesting because uh, my main goal when I came as a master's student was to learn how to speak 
in English the technical terms that I already knew in Portuguese. Mm. So it was not much to add more like much knowledge per se, but more like to know how to speak the language in more like technology terms, because we all know that especially in this area of like data science and machine learning and AI, there are a lot of, a lot of like terminologies that you need to be aware. So it's kind of like learning another language, like you, you, you learn English and then you also learn another language, which is very specific to this field. And then after like finishing my master's, I did work for like different companies, small companies and big, large corporations like Microsoft, IBM as a data scientist and then as a leader, as a manager. And that's pretty much like my summary of like my story. Awesome. And so you are doing a lot of incredible work as an advocate and a lot. When did you start the two organizations that you founded? Yeah. and. That's an awesome question. So it all started when I moved from Brazil to San Francisco, like the center of technology. So many things happening. And then when I got here as a student, not a lot of money, right? So like very, very limited budget. I found out something called Meetup where you would sign up and go to this event in person, right? After work hours in the night, during the night. And then I was so amazed by how much knowledge and things that were happening in this vibrant city, like all these different technologies and terminologies and like people doing amazing work. And I signed up to different meetups. I signed up to a meetup on machine learning, on data science, data visualization, on like all these different technologies and buzzwords that were around us back then. And I was going every night and I like to joke that was kind of like going to the Disneyland where you look to one side or look to the other side and there is this all these different options and you don't know what to do. If I should go to this meetup or this other meetup, should I learn this? Should I learn that? So many options. So I was amazed about like the opportunities that we had and so much knowledge for free. So I started going to these meetups and I think it makes sense to talk about the path on like how the organizations came together because it's all very much related. And then I was I started going to these meetups every night. And then I joked that it's like a Disneyland, but also like I was getting knowledge for free. Like people were there after work hours, giving back to the community, like giving their knowledge to us in the audience. And and the other fun fact, it was like always they had dinner. So for me as a student was the best mm-hmm. of the worlds where I had knowledge for free and food for free. Uh, so I would go, <laughs> I would go every night and, you know, I was always paying attention. Like, you know, people are giving their time, giving their knowledge for free. And it, it, in my mind, it was like, like a cycle, right? You are receiving, you are getting all of this. You are providing opportunity for everybody that is coming to these events. And then you have to do the same thing. So it's a cycle. So you get, you give back, you get to give back. And that's what I always thought, right? It's like you get for free or you get, you pay for it, you give back, especially when it's free, like when people are doing that from the heart. Then I I got to a point where I was like, okay, I think now it's my time to give back. Is there anything that I can give back after getting so much? Hmm. Um, And then I started to think, what are some of the options? What are some of the things that I think I'm good at that I can give back? And then I I thought, well, I know a language, a programming language called R, 
why don't I do something around the R language that is one of my the things that I'm passionate about? And there is this whole explosion on data and data science. And R is one of the languages used for analyzing data. But then another thought, I didn't want to do like a general group because one of the things that I realized by going to these events was one, as a woman, as a foreign, as someone from the outside, I didn't feel welcome on those places. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like there were people like me. The opposite. I felt the crowd, the audience was all the same, all white guys. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, I don't want to feel the same thing feeling that I was feeling when I went to these meetups where I didn't feel like this sense of community. I was very in the corner. And I felt like, what about if I do something different? What about if I create something, if I give back and I create something that is going to be inclusive, that is going to be friendly, that it's going to be diverse? And that's how the first community came together, which is called Our Ladies. That was the first organization where I was giving back some of the knowledge that I had, but also creating this safe environment for others to learn to build this community together. And it was kind of, to be honest, it was kind of like a something very individual, like an individual thought because I didn't have this community and I wanted a community for me to feel included. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to create a community for me. And then that's how uh, it, it all came together. I love that. I love that. You know, I I believe that advocacy is a huge piece of allyship and this idea of giving back once we've, I love that idea of that cycle that, um, you know, we, we receive support, we receive guidance, we receive free um, information. And then when we're ready, we give back, we turn it back over. And perhaps we do that in a little bit of a different way, like you did. We look at, well, who is this not reaching? How can I help reach them? How can I change the ecosystem so that more people feel like they belong in that space? And I love that. I love that. Um, so with the two organizations that you created, can you talk a little bit about what the problem is that you're working to solve? I mean, in terms of gender, that's pretty clear. When it comes to looking at a global community, I think there's a, a different layer on top of that as well. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. And so there is, a, of course, the, the, the gender that we all talk about. And it was the big, like I, I would say back then, 10, 10 years ago was the main focus was all about gender. And then I think it was even further, like the reach was further than that. Like the reach was further than that in the sense of like, we, are, we were reaching out underserved communities So communities that were not, they didn't have the basics, like the basic infrastructure or the basic knowledge to go and advance in their career or to get into the uh, data science or AI or machine learning field, right? So we were empowering those communities as well on getting access to the resources that we, as someone being in the U.S., that we had, right? So it was beyond, in that sense, was beyond the gender, or it was much more than that. The reach was much more than that. And with the other organization, AI Inclusive, it's the same way. It was, I started that, that organization seven years later, but I took a lot of like my learning from our ladies to create this other community. The only, I would say, difference was, one, 
it was language agnostic, like we were not related to one programming language, but any language. Uh, but it was very interesting and timely important because it was back then in 2019, we were in this center of like discussion around AI and AI discrimination and all the problems that AI were causing. And the majority of population were not aware. Uh, the majority of population that were going to be suffering because of the AI uh, technology, they were not aware. They thought that AI and the implications were something very futuristic, like something that were not part of their lives at, at all. And with AI inclusive, one of the things that we did was like, hey, this is what is happening now. This is affecting you now. And if it's not, it's probably going to be affecting you in the very near future. So you should be aware. Yeah, yeah. And for anybody who's interested in, in learning a little bit more about that too, episode 92 with Lydia XC Brown, we talked about the impact of surveillance tech and AI on marginalized populations too. It's, it's, that's really, really important. And, and so what you're doing is not only creating that awareness, but also getting folks involved in the creation of it as well, right? Absolutely. Yes. We need them to be with us in this journey. Like, that's one of the issues that we had is like, because we didn't have a diverse population working on, on the creation of those algorithms and, and things went in a very bad way. So we need to bring this, all these communities with us in this journey. Yeah. Lots of examples of that out in the world and the one, you know, driverless cars that don't see black people on the road at night, the, the automatic water faucets that only see certain skin tones and the list goes on and on. The algorithms that um, the Google algorithms I mean, went awry. So many different things happened and have continued to happen as a result of this. Yeah. Let's talk about community and what that means to you. What does community mean to you? Why is it important to you? It's kind of like cheesy to say, but it means everything, right? Everything that is related or with or for community is a big chunk or a big piece of who I am. And there is no no way that I would be where I am today uh, to be the person that I am today without the communities that surrounded me, either by creating the communities or being with communities. So if you think about like how lonely the journey can be, and I'm very much talking right now about like the whole journey of like your career, but even if you think about other things, like when we all get older, it's so important to have this community for us to have like a better life. It's all well known and there is data backed, backing this up. But when I talk about like the community, I'm talking more about the career kind of aspect. And there are so many great stories, not only by myself, but the stories that I heard of like, because of I was inserted or because of I was with the, this community, I had the strength to keep going and change my career, or I felt like I belonged here. So I had this network of people that were like me or that had things to add to myself that made me knowledgeable or gave me strength to change, which we all know how hard it is to do any change by yourself if you don't have one, two, three, 20 people around you, surrounded you. Yeah, absolutely. And community can make such a difference in, in your career. Uh, you talked a little bit about that, but how has community made a difference for you or not made a difference for you? Yeah, it made from like 
people know in my work when I was changing jobs or when I was like feeling down because something happened and I didn't have anyone at work to talk. I had my community where I could, I know that I would trust on them and I would share. There was one, one example was I was in this team of like engineers and I was the only data scientist and they couldn't understand my work. Like they, their mindset was very different from my mindset for my training and I felt so lonely that I didn't have anyone to talk about the problems or, or like the challenges that I was facing inside my job. There was no one that I could relate. So I went back to my community and said, this is what is happening. What do you all think about this? And I had so many great support and ideas and suggestions and we brainstormed together. And I'm like, wow, I'm so happy that I have this community because otherwise I would be lost in this job or like I didn't, maybe I, I would not have the confidence to change or to do any changes inside my, this particular job. So that was one example, like I cannot imagine being in this journey by myself without any support. And going back to the community, like we all know, like there is this saying that it takes a village to raise a child, for example. And it takes a community to make us change whatever change we we want to have, which is very similar. The village and the community is so, so much similar in so many aspects. Yeah, absolutely. And creating communities where people feel they belong, they're safe and they feel like they belong is the critical piece of that too, right? That, um you can have a community that you, where you still feel like you're on the periphery and you're not going to get the same experiences as if you feel like you truly belong within that community. Yeah, absolutely. And so what kind of impact have you seen as you uh, look at people who have uh, been in your program? So on the lives, their careers, what kind of impact are you seeing? Yeah, there is like a few stories, but one story that I I always remember is this person uh, that she was a stay-at-home mom, mom for over a decade. And she was raising her child by herself. And then she had to stop her full-time job. She was doing a few things here and there. And she really wanted to go and get a job in, in data, in data science. And then she found out about this community. She found out that there was a chapter. So we are the organization, we have chapters. And the chapters are based in cities. So she found out that there was this group. And then she found out that there was a chapter near her, near her house. And she started going and going. She was like, you know, first of all, I had no idea what they were talking about, but I felt so part of the community, even though it seemed that I had no technical knowledge at all, but I felt so welcomed in that community that I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick with this and I'm going to learn. And I'm sure that I'm going to succeed here because I have this community by my side. So she started going to this to the events to again to the point where she was like, okay, I've been getting so much. I want to give back. She became a chapter leader. And then after mm -hmm. a while, going to this event, she got a job. So after again, 10 plus a year at home, she got a job. I think it was at Disney first in a data-related job. And she's been going up the ladder since then. And I felt it was so inspiring because like, can you see the shift 
that she made with you know the support of the community. There were other examples of stories on like places where like more remote cities uh, where they don't have, like, as I mentioned, the infrastructure or the basic, and they would get together, like the woman would get together and they all had, I remember this picture where they all had babies and they went to this place to learn about the R language or the data science piece of it. And in the back of the room, they had their partners taking care of the child while they were learning this technology and I felt that was so empowering like that they also had this community over there their partners over there helping them during this time so they could get upskilled on you know on their careers on their lives and it was so empowering to see that when someone shared the picture I was like wow this is amazing and they didn't have computers like they didn't have computers even though the technology is its own computer they didn't have computers they had like a a whiteboard, like a board, and they had paper and pen. And I was like, this is like motivation. This is the power. This is the power of communities. This is like how communities can change their lives. Right. And the and that job at Disney creates a whole new wealth generation within the family, within the community. And hopefully they are also giving back in the future as well. So it really can fundamentally shift individualized communities around us, neighborhoods, and also our technology as well, right? Because that knowledge and experience is essential to creating truly inclusive technology. Yeah. And, you know, one another interesting point that I saw is that there are some places that are so hard for us to reach, so hard that you cannot reach unless you have someone that belongs to that particular community. So in another example is like for our ladies, we had chapters in these very small cities that we had no idea that we were there. But because someone knew that someone, that someone, like it was kind of like a passing this word about this community, that they were like, oh, we should have something over here, even though we have no connection with the outside world. But I get what this community is trying to do. Let's replicate that in our community. So we were like, I think the impact was even broader than what we can see. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. And and who knows, moving forward, how many people we've inspired to then give back as well. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you something here that, you know, I really believe that and our, our research shows that advocacy is a key piece of allyship and of creating change and really creating diversity, equity, and inclusion broadly across our technology as well as in our cultures and in our communities. And what would you recommend to somebody who wants to give back, who wants to do something, but isn't really sure how to start? That's a great question. And let's say that you don't have to be very knowledgeable about something to give back. Anything matters. Like you have more to give back than you think. Because sometimes we think, oh no, I need to be an expert or I need to be very knowledgeable about this or I have to be in a different level or like, but no, that's not true. Like anything that you know is worth it sharing with another person or giving back. So like anything matters, right? The same goes to the relationship. Sometimes people think, oh, I don't want to be a mentor or I'm not ready to be a mentor, to give back as a mentor because I'm not there yet. I don't have enough knowledge to share with my mentee. And I'm like, 
you do. You have more than you think. And there are so many different ways that you can give back. So many, just by sharing your experience, your background, that's enough to give back or to share with someone else. And it's usually like a, a two side. It's not only one side. It's not like you are only giving back. You are receiving with the work, with the community. I would say that I got much more back than I gave. Hmm. And we think now, we think that it's a, like a very tiring and it's exhausting. It can be, sure. But it's so like so little that you can give that it makes a huge impact on someone's life just by giving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And so true. I mean, if when I think about the ways that people have supported me in the past and, and made a difference for me in my life, it's been like an action that took you know, something that they said in that moment or, you know, an action that took them five, maybe 10 minutes, right? It's not a big amount of time necessarily. You don't, you know, starting a program isn't amazing. And um, you and I have both done that, but you can also give back in so many other ways that can make a a significant impact in somebody's life. Exactly. And I am a huge believer that it's you lead by example. Like we, as a leader, we talk a lot about this, lead by example. And then this is one way of like you are giving an example to your community or to your employees or to your mentees or to the people you manage. You are showing them the value. And hopefully, like my hope is like they will do the same, like they mm. will pass this forward to the new generation or to other people. Yeah, absolutely. And so you talked about what you've received. You mentioned that. Can you talk a little bit more about what is that? What have you received? And and then how have you taken that back to your teams as well? Yeah. So all the stories and when I see someone sharing their stories or like their achievements or how the community change the way that they think or like how the community change their lives. This is like what I feel it's like, oh yes, this is what I was hoping for, or like when they come to me and say, Hey, Gabriella, this is the best community ever. I've never felt so much included than I feel in this community, especially when it's coming from specific communities and people that never felt this sense of community before. So this Mm. is huge for me, like that I'm making some, I'm moving the needle a little bit. So any story that I hear, it can be a very big story or even something that I, I feel comfortable by being in this place, that is the biggest reward for me. And I, I, I bring all my learnings, all my community learnings to my teams, as well as making sure that I'm hearing and listening to them, that I, I'm hearing all the voices, that when I'm building a team, my team is diverse, that they feel included, make sure that I have the safe space for them as well, that they feel safe to share uh, and to talk. So, so many learnings that I got from the community that it reflects in my work today that it just now I'm seeing, oh, wow, this is all the learnings that I got throughout the years because of my work with communities. And I feel like I'm a better manager. I'm a better leader because of the work and the learnings that I had with building the communities. Mm. And Can I ask you, for managers and leaders who are working with global teams, they may be working with people in different regions they've never even been to and and don't know a lot about, 
what are some learnings that you have gained that um, you might share with them in terms of working with global teams? Yeah, and my team nowadays is very global. Like I have people from different places like Africa, Italy, UK, US, South America. So it's all over. And I would say the first thing is like curiosity. Like be curious about the place or where they are and listen and try to have this conversation because there are so many things that we don't know, so many different things that it's cultural that you don't know because you were not there. One example, again, that we learned with the community is our ladies is more focused on gender minorities. And in some places, they could not say this, that we have Mm. a focus that was kind of like against the law or not culturally accepted. So they had to rephrase the mission of the group to something else because they could not say, oh, this is the focus is more on this group or that group. So there are a lot of like learnings from just being exposed to all these different communities that were in places that we had no idea because we were in this other part of the world. And uh, going back to being a manager in a global team, again, curiosity, like trying to be curious and to listen what people in your team has to offer instead of like you coming with our very biased US-centric vision on how things work. A total related kind of like example that I, I was thinking now is I was talking to my team about a new tool and I was like, oh, this tool is great because you just need to connect to the internet and then you you don't have to do any setup. You just need a computer and then the internet and then you can start your work. And then someone came to me and said, but Gabriella, this is not going to work here. And I'm like, why not? You only need an internet and a computer. Oh, you know, our internet is not reliable. We cannot rely on internet to do the work. And I'm like, yes, of course. Right. So like sometimes even myself with the experience of coming from the place that I I came from, sometimes I forget. And I'm so glad that I have these other people in my team that they feel safe to tell me that. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So creating that safe space for people to come back and say, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, it's a key piece of um, being an inclusive leader too, right? Yeah, open to that feedback. Yeah. Um, Anything else that you have noticed or any other recommendations for um, when working with a global team? Yes, uh, there was another thing that we, I have been doing right now with my team and we do every six months, we go for this, which is something that we call team agreements or guidelines. And like, how do you, what are the things that we should do as a team? What are kind of like, let's say, Agreements that we have in terms of like meetings and time zones, especially because we have people from all over the world. Like, what about time zones? Respect their time offs, how they like to be called. Like, what are the pronouns? Maybe you need more focus time. So please block your calendar because I need some time that I need to be focused and no one can interrupt me. So we have this team agreement that we do every six months where every person on the team has a say. And we agree as a team uh, for the next six months, this is our agreement. We are going to do our best to follow these agreements. It's something that has been working very well with us. And we feel like, at least from the feedback that I get, that they feel that they are heard and they are respected. I love that. 
That's fantastic. So it's sort of like a, it's an agreement. Is like when I'm, I'm doing a workshop, we have ground rules or we have a mutual agreement at the beginning of a workshop too. This is our kind of protocol for working together. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And and also like, it's not like a forever. It's like every six months and it can be even less than that. We go over again to make sure that it's still true. It's still applicable to everybody. If there is any change or anything that you're like, oh, did, this didn't work let's change so it's also like a way for us to have this open dialogue where we can change things it's like not written in the stone like it's not forever but it's something that is ongoing and we can change if it, we can try and if it doesn't work we can try again and we can adjust i love that those two pieces were so powerful is there anything else that you can think of that might be useful not that i can think of i can say that it's a, it's a big challenge leading a global team and you have to change your mindset instead of like, you, you know, that it's going to be very rare the times where you have everybody together as a team, but make sure that you have some overlap in terms of like times uh, where you can see your team face to face because it's so important. But then you have also like this other side that you have to learn how to work async where you have a lot of documents. So there is a lot of writings, much more writings than this face-to-face interaction. But just make sure that you don't miss the face-to-face interaction. It's so important. This one-on-one time or the time with your your team as a whole. So they feel part of a team instead of like feeling, oh, because I'm here in this part of the world, I'm totally excluded. No, we as a leader, we need to make sure that we are including everybody all the time. Awesome. A follow-up question you mentioned that um, your team gives you, you know, gave you that feedback. Can you think of, like, as a manager, how you open yourself up to that feedback, how you let your team know that that, you know, create that safe space for doing that? Yeah, I start by being vulnerable. I'm very vulnerable with my teams. And I try to show them that I'm a human, that I, I have my meltdowns, or I have times where I'm so all over that I need some quiet time or that I need to take a break or that I need to go for a walk or that I have to take care of my family. So I'm very vocal and transparent of the things that are happening with me. So they feel like, oh yeah, so Gabriella, so she is going through this. So I have the, it's kind of like I'm giving permission to my team to have the same things in that way. It's like I'm showing them that they can also have or being in similar situations so they don't have to hide because I'm not hiding and I'm a leader where usually we think that leaders are like no problems. They don't have problems. They don't have to do many things at the same time. You know, they have a, a village helping them and, and that's not true most of the time. So I try to show them that I have problems, that I fail, that I not I do not succeed all the time, that I'm insecure, that my confidence is not every time high. And I feel that it gives them the permission to show or to bring their whole self to work. And they feel comfortable with this and sharing uh, their thoughts and sharing, giving me feedback. They give me very true feedback. And I, I learned to take the feedback to pause to listen. And then if there is anything that I want to say, I take this pause and then I say something. But it's more like I take all the feedback as something that is constructive, that it's coming from a good place and that I will do something 
about it. And I'm curious to learn more. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And and I, I think that what we talked about at the beginning with you developing these communities of practice and, and kind of building access and opportunity, and you're also building a community with your team as well. It's a global community that that um, where you're creating a safe space for people to be whoever they are and to contribute to the ground rules or the the mutual agreement together that really drives how you work together and and um, that you're creating a safe space for people to be vulnerable and to give feedback to one another and to you as a leader. I think that that sense of community is coming through in your team work as well. Yeah. And it's interesting because my role now at Microsoft, I work with students. So I work with and for students and educators. And one of the core things that we do is to create this this community for students. So it's so interesting Mm. because it's like a full circle. Like now I'm, I'm working with students and creating this community where they feel like they are part of like a place that they belong. It's global. So we have students uh, from all over the place and the core is like having this community where they can learn where we can share our knowledge where they can upskill and get into the, the this fields and get a job so it, it's so interesting to see how things come together and without like even like planning that much the community is somehow included as part of my full-time job right so it's so interesting to see, like, as I navigate and we navigate uh, throughout our career, that there is one aspect that comes with us no matter where we go. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that as a leader and also you founded two different organizations that you're doing a lot and, and a part of being an inclusive leader, being an advocate, really driving change across um, the ecosystem. It takes energy. And it takes emotional as well as cognitive work as well. And and so I want to ask you just how do you take care of yourself? What are the ways that you make sure you don't get depleted and um, that you still, that you're replenishing? Yes, I've been better and better with this as I think I, I get older is making sure that I have time for myself, that I'm I'm building my resilience, that I have enough on my so then I can give back the bad of me. So it's something that I'm very mindful that before giving back, I need to refill myself so I have something to give back. Otherwise, I don't have anything to give back or to give. And the community work or the work with people, it's something that energizes me. So even though there is this drain it's very draining to deal with people, to be a manager, to be a leader, because there are a lot of like hard conversations and you're dealing with emotions as well. There is this other aspect that kind of like energizes me, that it's like leading and, and unblocking people and empowering people. So I would say, luckily, one side can balance the other as well. So it's not like draining that I'm taking all my energy and I'm like totally out of energy it's the other way it's also like brings me energy and brings me inspiration to keep going mm, I love it so this show is focused on creating a space for people to learn and then to take action and so I want to ask you after 
folks listen or watch this episode, what action would you like them to take? I would say look around. There's some opportunities because, again, there are plenty opportunities of things that you can give back. You can start small. You can become volunteer in some organization. All these organizations that I mentioned, for example, they are all volunteer-based. So we need volunteers. We need people to help us to keep spreading the knowledge. And then so we need more people to be on this journey with us. So look around, see what are the opportunities that there are. If you cannot find, just ask around because there is always someone needing something that you can offer. So go to, I don't have any specific website, but if there is anything that the, any topic or anything that you are passionate about, this is one of the easiest way to give back. If there is something that you care, go and see if there is any place that you can give or you can help on that one. Yeah, I, I feel like listening to your podcast and, and your book is like a great way for you to be more knowledgeable and to learn. And sometimes like people are not doing because they are bad people because they don't have exposure or they don't know about it. So the more you get exposed to all these different environments and to different people, people from different backgrounds, the more you can be more knowledgeable and more, I would say it's also like more that you can understand what are the gaps that you have. So get exposed, try to get out of your small world and try to explore things that you are not aware that you don't know that exists. Try to get more exposure on that. Mm, I love it. Where can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so I have a website and then it's k-roz.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I'm all over uh, the social media. And at Microsoft, you can look for... Uh, Student Hub is a place where students uh, can come and find materials to, to use and, and there are different paths if you're a student. But for myself, it's like any place in, in the social media world, I'm there. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriela. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and experience. Thank you. All right, everyone, please do take action as a result of listening to this and see you next week. We'll share resources and a transcript from this discussion at ally.cc. And please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate this show. It makes a difference for us. Thank you for being part of our community. And remember, the more we take action, the more we grow as humans and as leaders, and the more we transform our communities. So what action will you take today? Let us know your actions by emailing podcast at changecatalyst.co or reaching out on social media. And Leading with Empathy and Allyship is a show by Change Catalyst where we build inclusive innovation through training, consulting, and events. You can learn more about us at changecatalyst.co. So let's keep building allyship across our communities and around the world. Thank you for listening.